It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. More than 64% of Californians voted no on whether Governor Gavin Newsom should be recalled. The California Report discusses the defeated recall effort with David McEwen, chair and professor of the Sonoma State Political Science Department. We'll take a brief look at local headlines and weather before Felton Pruitt speaks to Taylor Wolf from Nevada County's Office of Emergency Services. We close with a commentary from South Yuba River Citizens League Communications and Engagement Manager, Daniel Belshi, on Circle's annual river cleanup. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. Governor Gavin Newsom has overwhelmingly defeated a recall effort to kick him out of office early. More than 64 percent of Californians voted no on the first question on the ballot, whether the governor should be recalled at all. David McEwen is chair and professor of the political science department at Sonoma State. He joins me now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. 64% voting no on the recall itself sounds like a lot. Put that number in context for us. What does that tell you? Well, there's a very technical term for this type of win. It, it's an elect- electoral smackdown. This is, this is a whooping. Uh, there's, there's no question about that. Is that a technical but, term, Professor? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very technical term from the science of elections. Uh, th- there's no overtime thriller, no two-minute drill. It, it's a political thrashing. And there's another context here, and that is that Gavin Newsom has never lost an election. So as a result of this strong victory, I mean, this, this looks like it's going to be even larger than what happened in 2018 when he defeated John Cox 62-38. The results going forward have short-term consequences for the governor, longer-term consequences for the governor, and to place all of that in broader context, those short-term and longer-term consequences mean that the 2022 midterms start right now. And so that this win is, is a huge component of not just Gavin Newsom, but where the state GOP stands, where the national conversation is in our politics. So it reverberates far beyond California itself. Well, where does the Republican Party stand in California right now? Right. So if you think about the California Republican Party, they haven't elected a statewide winner since 2006. That's when Arnold Schwarzenegger was reelected. And since that time, the party has continued to kind of lurch farther to the right, uh, it's embraced Trumpism. It, they've thought about what the party looks like and where things head. And then you get this outside force, Larry Elder, a talk show host, someone who's been on air and had controversial statements for three decades, who runs outside the party, parallel to the party, has almost 900,000 Twitter followers, and is able to get the most votes yesterday uh, out, of, mm-hmm. out of the recall election. But there's another component to this, and that Larry Elder, every time he talked about what he believed or what he was going for, he would always tick off a section of the voting public that he needed to win. The, he, the folks that had he had as, as in his base, the, the hardcore conservatives the, the doubling down, no problem there. Those people aren't going anywhere. They're not leaving Larry Elder. But you have to reach across the aisle or get some of those what we call disaffected Democrats who maybe signed the recall petition or the no party preference declined to state voters. And Elder's candidacy didn't do that. Well, Larry Elder was the top choice in the field of 46 possible replacements for Governor Newsom, and his campaign had promoted a website 
with language that implied voter fraud, but that language was taken down yesterday afternoon. You know, looking back on yesterday, um, you know, how concerned were observers and people in the political sphere that the results of this election were going to be rejected? Right. And I, I think that's a, a strong concern. And, and here's why. Even though that language has been removed, the, the rhetoric that Larry Elder has around his radio show with all those Twitter followers and with outsiders aligning himself with Donald Trump means that you can continue to postulate about the veracity of election results. You can continue to, to challenge what has happened. The vagueness of that, the, the creation of that assaults democracy. And uh, that by assaulting democratic institutions, what you're doing is calling into question the legitimacy of the process. That's mm -hmm. not a rejection of conservatism. That's a rejection of democracy. And that's a yeah. big, big difference. And that's what we see with Larry Elder. Does he move forward? Maybe not Larry Elder, maybe not even the California Republican Party, but there are others around that. Given the length of time it takes to count votes and to certify the results here in California, they, that those folks that might want to file uh, any type of argument or lawsuit or legal filing related to this election and its results, they have a bit of time to mull over their mm. strategies and to think about what's going on. What is the discussion around recall reform this morning? Right. So recall reform was discussed in 2003, 2004, 2005, even in 2006. But it's different this time. One reason is that the speaker, Anthony Rendon, represents the liberal wing of the Democratic Party. He's interested in electoral reform of the recall process. So Steve Glazer, who's in the centrist wing of the Democratic Party. That means you're likely to see an assembly floor vote, maybe even a state Senate floor vote. The problem is you then go to the voters and the California voters like to be asked to dance. They like to say no to their partner, which means mm -hmm. that actually reforming the initiative recall and referendum process is not very likely. It's more likely we see death penalty mm -hmm. reform in this state before we see any type of direct democracy reform. Well, yeah, this is a question, as you as you noted there, that comes up with propositions as well. Uh, an ongoing discussion, and we'd love to have you back on for it. David McEwen, Chair and Professor of the Political Science Department at Sonoma State. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me, Lily. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says California's coronavirus transmission rates are now tilting in the right direction, and their scale shows it. KCRW's Tara Atrion explains. A summer surge driven by the Delta variant may finally be leveling off. The CDC has downgraded California's COVID transmission level from high, which is color-coded as red, down to the orange-colored substantial level. That's the second highest in the agency's four-tier evaluation scale. State officials say they were able to drive down new COVID infections thanks to relatively high vaccination rates and indoor masking practices all across California. The drop also may offer a glimpse of hope for the Central Valley and rural parts of the state, where hospitals are still struggling to treat an overwhelming number of COVID patients. 
With the latest data from the CDC, California has become one of only three states in the nation that have been downgraded to the substantial category. The other two states are Connecticut and Vermont. For the California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles. And that is the California Report for this Wednesday, September 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks for listening. In regional news, California voters have overwhelmingly voted not to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. According to Nevada County's Cumulative Vote Count Report, 23,519 or 57.65% of Nevada County residents who cast their ballot voted no. 17,277, or 42.35%, voted yes, with conservative talk radio host Larry Elder being the favored replacement candidate, followed by former mayor of San Diego, Republican Kevin Faulkner. Only 54% of registered Nevada County voters cast ballots in this election. A breakdown of county voting statistics can be found on MyNevadaCounty.com. Measure T, which must pass by two-thirds, is a tax measure that would generate roughly $3.7 million annually. The proposal would provide Truckee Fire Protection District with increased defensible space and green waste disposal options for property owners, early fire detection, and more. The Union of Grass Valley reports current votes stand at approximately 79% approving the measure. Yesterday evening at 6.20, CAL FIRE reported the bridge fire under the Forest Hill Bridge in Auburn as 100% contained. The bridge fire broke out on September 5th, leading to several evacuations and ultimately growing to 411 acres. No damages or property losses have been reported at this time. However, one injury was sustained. This Thursday, the City of Nevada City and Council Members Gary Peterson and Daniela Fernandez host a virtual town hall meeting from 6 to 8 p.m. In a bid for community input on police services, the City asks residents to complete a public safety and future of policing in Nevada City survey, as well as partake in discussion during the town hall. You can access the survey and register for the town hall meeting at www.nevadacityca.gov. This Saturday, September 18th, Idaho-Maryland Road between Sutton Avenue and Brunswick Road will be fully closed for the South Yuba River Citizens League River Cleanup. The closure will occur between 8.45 a.m. and 1 p.m. The U.S. Forest Service is reopening most of its California forests for public use Thursday, two days earlier than planned, reports the Sacramento Bee. To combat wildfires burning across the state and aid a national firefighting workforce stretched thin, the Forest Service closed 20 million acres of its national forests in California to public use through the busy Labor Day weekend. The agency announced it would rescind the statewide order today, as more firefighting resources from across the country were made available, as well as an anticipated decrease in public use of the federal lands after the holiday. This afternoon, Placer High School students were told to shelter in place for a unique reason. The Auburn Police Department reports a large bear in a tree near the school caused the safety protocol. Auburn officers are working with the Department of Fish and Game on relocating the bear. They were quick to say there is no intention of harming the bear, tweeting the hashtag MomCanWeKeepHim and hashtag BearNecessities. As of 5 p.m., there is no new update on the bear's location. 
And now for regional weather and your air quality index. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 57. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 81. Current air quality is moderate with an AQI of 59. Tomorrow, good with a potential AQI of 49. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 40. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 73. Current air quality is unhealthy for sensitive groups, with an AQI of 106. Tomorrow, good, with a potential AQI of 23. And for our friends to the south in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, increasing clouds, with a low around 55. Tomorrow, partly sunny, with a high near 82. Current air quality is moderate, with an AQI of 87. Tomorrow, good, with a potential AQI of 44. Up ahead, Felton Pruitt speaks to Taylor Wolf from Nevada County's Office of Emergency Services. We're talking with Taylor Wolf from the Nevada County Office of Emergency Services. Taylor, in the last few months, most of the time we've been talking, it's been pretty hectic, but we actually have a lull in the crisis world here, and I thought we'd just catch up and find out what's going on here in Nevada County and with you folks. Sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Felton. Always appreciate coming on and talking everything Nevada County uh, with KVMR and yourself. Um, but you're right. We've we've been through several emergency events this year already, not to mention the ongoing pandemic that we continue to work through, but uh, also a few wildfires and then the recovery process from the river fire that happened a little over a month ago in South County. And then there's also some positive stuff to talk about, too. Nevada County just got a grant from a CAL FIRE's Fire Prevention Grant Program. Yes, this is one we're really excited about. Our uh, Nevada County Office of Emergency Services has been pursuing funding for this project since December 2019, so a few years now. And that will be for a South County fire break that will help clear out the ingress-egress area, so along the roadsides um, near the Alta Sierra area. It's going to treat 339 acres, which includes 226 parcels, and more than 200 property owners uh, will be eligible to receive hazardous vegetation fuel thinning at no cost to them. Uh, Folks may remember this is somewhat similar to the grant we received in the work that uh, we have done on the Ponderosa West fuel break, uh, which is in between Grass Valley and kind of down towards that rough and ready highway um, to kind of create a little bit of a buffer between those two communities if a fire were to go through that area. So we are super excited about this opportunity to uh, create a South County shaded fuel break in addition to the progress we've made over the last several years on the Ponderosa West project. Yeah, anything we can do to get ready for, well, later this year and then next year is always a plus. Absolutely. And if folks out there are listening to this and think, hey, I might be within that project footprint, they can go online to readynevadacounty.org. We actually launched a form with this announcement for people to sign up for more information when it becomes available. Of course, this is just the grant announcement. The next step will be bringing that back to our board of supervisors to flush out more of those details. 
But again, if you're interested in more information and think you might be within that project footprint, which is alongside Buck Mountain Road, Lodestar Drive, and Brewer Road in the community of Alta Sierra, please do visit ReadyNevadaCounty.org to sign up for those updates. Here we are starting uh, to move into fall of 2021, and we thought maybe a year and a half ago that we'd be done with COVID by now, but we're certainly just, it seems like we're just in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, we are seeing cases and are a little bit hopeful that this might be a trend, but they're turning downwards as of this week. Uh, you know, we were seeing COVID transmission each week in, in the 400s or very high 300s. Uh, last week, we saw 328, which was uh, the lowest total cases added to our dashboard uh, since July. So we're hopeful that that might stick. We are seeing due to to the Delta variant, a lot more cases in children ages 0 to 17 in the, the 20, 20 percentile or some almost near 30 percent of new cases are in those children ages 0 to 17. So that definitely is concerning, you know, and sadly, it's a late indicator, but we are still seeing those COVID deaths hit our dashboard. Yesterday, we reported two more and that takes us up to 14 since just the start of August. You know, but I think we are seeing those vaccination rates tick up slowly but surely. The last report we received from uh, Nevada County Public Health said that 63.2% of residents are fully vaccinated and 71.9% of eligible residents have at least one dose. So hopefully we'll see that continue to increase over the next few weeks. And I think in some other, you know, somewhat positive news with COVID is we we have seen a huge increase in testing demand recently, which makes sense with our current transmission rate. So our Grass Valley testing site is now open seven days a week. So Sundays have been added 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. And we, again, have been seeing incredibly high utilization uh, last week, that first week of September, we saw 103% utilization, uh, which translates to over 1,200 1, tests. And we're seeing similar um, rates in testing utilization up in the Truckee area as well. The other good news of this is the turnaround time is a lot quicker than what we remember from six to eight months ago or maybe even earlier in the pandemic. We're looking at about a little over a day is the average turnaround time for those test results now. We've been talking with Taylor Wolf from Nevada County's Office of Emergency Services. Thanks a lot, Taylor. Thank you, Felton. We close with a commentary from South Yuba River Citizens League Communications and Engagement Manager, Daniel Belshi, on Circle's annual river cleanup. The South Yuba River Citizens League, or Circle, is the leading voice for the protection and restoration of the Yuba River watershed. Founded in 1983 through a grassroots campaign to defend the South Yuba River from proposed hydro dams, Circle has developed into a vibrant community organization with more than 3,500 members and over 1,000 volunteers. This week, Circle is calling on the community to help protect the Yuba River watershed by volunteering for the 24th annual Yuba River cleanup that runs September 11th through the 18th. Circle is planning an extended cleanup that will provide more options for those who want to participate. Volunteers can choose between two cleanup options. The first option is a self-guided cleanup where you and your friends, coworkers, or family can register for a cleanup site between September 11th and the 17th. You'll pick up supplies at the Circle office, then head out on your own. 
The second option is to join the traditional cleanup on September 18th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., where volunteers can choose a site and a site leader will provide your supplies and guide you through the cleanup. All volunteers can register for the self-guided or the one-day cleanup at yubariverclean-up.org. Now, the Yuba River Cleanup is part of a larger cleanup effort, the California Coastal Cleanup Day, which started in 1985 and is the largest volunteer event in the state. This event acknowledges the problem of trash in our waterways and oceans across California. This year, we are using lessons learned in 2020 to build a longer and stronger cleanup that will reach even more of the Yuba River watershed, allowing us to remove more trash and more recycling before it ends up into our waterways. We hope that this new format will allow us to engage additional groups like schools, community organizations, and clubs. The annual cleanup is meant to complement Circle's outreach and education that works to teach river goers about river etiquette. Circle's River Ambassador Program fosters river stewards through its outdoor education programming each summer. Ideally, these efforts would result in less work during our annual cleanup. However, we still need your help in this annual effort, especially as it continues to expand to reach more of our watershed. Over the past 20 years, the Yuba River cleanup has removed more than 250 tons of garbage and recycling. Last year, 760 volunteers helped remove over three tons of trash and recycling from 30 sites around the watershed. These cleanup locations include areas that run along the Yuba River where visitors' single-use trash and recycling ends up on beaches and trails. Think food wrappers, plastic water bottles, beer cans, and micro-trash, like cigarette butts, bottle caps, styrofoam, and plastic bits. We pick up and recycle what we can, but unfortunately, any trash that is too muddied or soil, we cannot recycle. This is why we encourage visitors to reduce trash and recycling by planning before you head to the river. Choose to purchase goods in bulk to reduce packaging and use reusable containers for food and drinks when headed to the river. But remember, no glass at the river. It's illegal and it breaks easily on the Yuba's smooth granite boulders. The traditional large group cleanup will occur on the 18th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. In a normal year, we would host the volunteer appreciation party after the cleanup, but due to COVID and recent CDC recommendations, this party has been canceled. Instead, we will have the cleanup drive through set up at the Circle headquarters for volunteers to pick up cleanup supplies and drop off trash. We also have some exciting thank yous in store for our volunteers this year. Though we won't be able to gather together, we will not be canceling our ever-famous Trash or Treasure contest challenging volunteers to enter unique trash they have found into a number of categories that include the most historical find, the most useful find, the most fashionable find, and the most unusual. Volunteers can register online at yubariverclean-up.org. Cleanup locations are located all along the Yuba River and throughout the Yuba watershed. Volunteers can choose from a variety of sites on public lands. Be safe, have fun, and sign up today at yubariverclean-up.org. Org. Thank you to our volunteers and sponsors for making this cleanup happen. We couldn't do it without your support and helping hands. That's our newscast for this Wednesday. If you missed some of tonight's commentary or wish to know more about the latest from our Office of Emergency Services, you can listen to the full extended version of commentaries and interviews on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We get support from Carmen's Garden and Greenhouse, locally owned since 2012 on Loma Rica Drive, Grass Valley, stocking greenhouse frames, coverings, and components, down-to-earth amendments, and IPM products. Open Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. K-A-R-M-E-N-S garden.com and Booktown Books, an independent cooperative bookstore since 1998, featuring nine independent vendors offering used, rare, and collector's items including music, DVDs, and more. Open daily on Bank Street, Grass Valley, booktownbooks.com. Coming up at 6.30 is The Sages Among Us. This evening, host Keith Porter speaks to in-concert Sierra board member Michael Selby. Then at 7, we bring you Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.